down for their uh, study of uh, Bible Bowl. We'll get started here in a second. Everybody doing so? Everybody doing good so far? Yeah. All right. That was a pretty weak yeah, but I guess we could take it. You, do we need to do like one of those stand-up things, you know, and get the energy flowing in the building? If you look on the screen behind me, it says Jesus said not to judge, right? Right? Did he say not to judge? Is this not one of the most taken out of context verses in all the scripture? If you ever talk to somebody who doesn't know really a whole lot of anything about the Bible, they'll know this verse. They'll say, you can't judge me. So this is something I told you guys we we're going to be looking at different aspects of the Sermon on the Mount so we could see uh, that how important those three chapters are, chapters 5, 6, and 7, right, in the Gospel of Matthew. Brethren, we're looking at these things because Jesus said, if you wish to be my followers, that you need to know these things, for this is how you will be judged. When you get to uh, Matthew chapter 7 like we are in today, there's, if you continue on in that chapter, Jesus says there's going to become a time in the future when those Christians are going to come back and they're going to say, Lord, Lord, Master, Master, didn't we do so many wonderful things in your name? And he's going to say, I don't even know who you are. How's that conversation going to go? Right? How are you going to enter into heaven as a Christian if Jesus says, I don't even know who you are? You remember, these three chapters are written to those who wish to be his followers, right? They're, 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 he's speaking to those who wish to be his disciples. And in Matthew chapter 7 and verse 1, like I said, this passage, Judge not that you be not judged, is one of the most taken out of context, most quoted passages of scripture that there is in society today. And when a judgment is made against another person, if that person knows the Bible, this is the verse they go to. They'll say, how dare you question me? How dare you suggest that I am wrong? As if you have some standard that's greater than mine. You see, brethren, most people who, who utter those phrases, they utter that, that, that phrase because they don't, they don't want to be judged. They don't want their sins to be, uh, to be made known. They don't want people to, to, to know that their life has kind of gone astray. And so they get a little defensive. And so this verse that is used, it's, they, they say it's used because Jesus says, you're not allowed to judge me. That zero judgment should be given. And so the question I have for you here this morning is, is that really what Jesus had to say? Did Jesus say that we're not allowed to judge in any circumstance? Or does Jesus mean that we should leave all judgments uh, to him? You see, brethren, we need to understand this, uh, this, this passage in context. And that's what we're going to look at here today. Because I would like us to see that this interpretation that people often use in regards to Matthew chapter 7 and verse 1 is absolutely impossible. It's impossible to live your life without making judgments. And I want you to understand here, when it says, uh, Thou shalt not judge... Judge here means judgments, right? It's talking about condemning. And so we're going to look at that. He's not saying don't make, uh, that you can't be a judge, but that we should be careful in how we uh, render judgments, how we render condemnation on another individual. Because you're going to see in a moment that he says that how you judge, condemn others, it will be returned to you in like manner. And so we need to then be careful how we judge. It doesn't say don't judge. Be careful in how you judge. And that's what we're going to look at here today. 
I know there's lots of us that like to take notes, and so I paraphrase some different passages of Scripture. We're not going to read all these, but as far as these different passages, but if you look on the screen behind me, we're going to go through some different passages that I put on the screen uh, that I kind of pulled together to see, well, you know, when we try to figure out what Scripture says, we need to go to other passages of Scripture to keep it in context and to see if what one person is saying, uh, does the rest of Scripture basically agree with the, the conclusion that somebody has made. So they say we're not allowed to judge. But yet I want us to see what the rest of the New Testament has to say. So on the screen behind me in 1 Corinthians 2, remember these are paraphrases, these are not the exact verses, you can look them up later. But in, the, in 1 Corinthians 2 and 15, it says the spiritual person judges all things. But wait a second, I thought we weren't supposed to judge. I thought we weren't supposed to judge things. And yet it says the spiritual person judges all things. Because remember, it would be impossible to live your life and to not make regular judgments on various things. The next passage, 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 12 and 13, it says, For what have I to do with judging outsiders? I love this passage here. Because notice what it says next. Is it not those inside the church whom you judge? Therefore, God judges those outside the church. So we just learned here... In this passage, in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, God judges those outside the church, but aren't you to judge one another inside the church, inside the kingdom? Aren't we to not hold each other accountable into the very law that God has called us to? Remember, John chapter or Matthew chapter 7 is the part of the Sermon on the Mount. It goes with chapter 5, chapter 6, chapter 7. Jesus is talking to who? He's talking to those who wish to be his followers. He's talking to his disciples. And he says, if you wish to be a follower of mine, it doesn't say never judge. It says be careful in the manner in which you judge, as we'll look at here in a moment. But I just want you to see all of these other passages. So when somebody comes with you with, with nonsense and says you're not allowed to judge me, you can have some ammunition to say, well, that's not really true. Now, we have to be careful in our judgments, as we're going to see, but notice what it says. So, for I do not, uh, for, for, for what I have to do with judging outsiders, is it not God who judges the outsiders, but you are to judge those who are inside the church? And then Galatians chapter 1, we see where uh, Paul told the people of Galatia, but even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel that's contrary to uh, contrary to the one that we preach, that person is to be accursed. But notice it says contrary. Well, you can only say that it's contrary if you formed a judgment. You hear a t the, the teacher of the truth and you hear a false teacher. So you have to make a judgment on whether it's true or whether it's false. So you're making a judgment there. That's what makes it contrary. And so you look at the next passage, 1 John 4 and 1. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits. When you get to this passage of scripture, this passage is talking about teachers. You are to test the teachers. Beloved, do not believe every teacher, but test the teachers to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. Well, brethren, if you test the teachers, that means you have to hold their teaching against some form of standard. And then you make a judgment on whether or not their teachings match up with the standard. Well, whose standard do we use? God's standard. 
That's how we are to judge those within the kingdom. Judge those in the church to see if they actually are living according to, well, the will of God. Based on what the scriptures tell us in the New Testament. I just showed you that in 1 Corinthians chapter 5. You look at another passage, Galatians chapter 2 and verse 11. And the scriptures say, but when Cephas came to Antioch, notice what Paul said. Paul says, uh, he says, I opposed him to his face because he stood condemned. But wait a second, I thought we weren't supposed to judge one another. Oh, well, there's a contradiction then if we're not supposed to judge one another because Paul just, he did what? He called them out. He opposed them to his face. Why? Because he stood condemned. He had to make a judgment. He took the righteous standard of God, realized that Peter, when it came to, uh, to being uh, amongst the Jewish converts to Christianity, as soon as the Gentiles were, or he was with the Gentile converts, but when the Jewish converts came, he withdrew from them and his, 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 his hypocrisy started to show through, right? And so his, his, uh, his mindset, uh, which was uh, unbecoming of an apostle, started to show through. And Paul says, I opposed him to his face. I called him out to his face. Well, a judgment must have been rendered for that to happen. And so, brethren, you look at Matthew 18 and 15. If your brother sins against you, go and tell him his faults between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you've gained your brother. You know why that passage is important? Because Matthew 18 tells you to do that. It's the same verse we learned about in 1 Corinthians chapter 5. Right? That uh, are you not to judge those in the church, but God judges those outside the church? So you see, brother, when we look at all of these various passages of Scripture, and as we get to these different passages, you can see that to, to say that we're to not judge as well, it's ridiculous. Because you make judgments in every aspect of life. John 7 and 24, that was the scripture reading this morning. Do not judge by appearances, but judge with righteous judgment. Righteous judgment means you use the word of God, you use God's righteous standard to then make a judgment as you're dealing with who? Not the world, not those outside the church, as you're dealing with brothers in Christ, sisters in Christ. You use God's righteous standard to form the judgment that you come to. But you do so hoping that the individual will want to repent, like Matthew 18, right? And he gives us the, the oftentimes those passages that we know for church discipline. You go to Matthew 18. You go to your brother uh, face to face. You don't send him a text. Don't shoot him an email. Go to him. It says go. Look him in the eye. Talk to him. Plead with him to turn from the sin in his life so that way, that way he'll come back into fellowship with the Lord. So we judge with righteous judgment. Matthew chapter 7, verse 15 and 16, it says, Beware of the false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are there ravenous wolves. You will know them by their fruit. Have you ever heard somebody say in the church, you got to be a fruit inspector, right? Sometimes, or sometimes the older members, you know, will use that because it's, you know, it was used probably more when they were younger. But it's something that you hear all the time. We've got to be a fruit inspector. Well, that's where this comes from, right? Beware of the false prophets. You'll know them by their fruits, right? Well, once again, in order to know if somebody's a false prophet or a teacher of the truth, you have to render a judgment. So once again, brothers and sisters, do you see how easy it is to see? The, the silliness that would be the, the silliness that people make uh, Matt, or Matthew chapter 7 verse 1 out to be. The scriptures are crystal clear that we are to make judgments. But we need to fully understand really what that looks like. We need to understand a little bit more closely how that comes about. 
And so the scriptures are clear. We make judgments. In fact, in this very text, in Matthew chapter 7, verse 1 through 5, if you wanted to look at your Bibles that we're going to go over today, we'll be looking at it here in a minute. In that very text, Jesus is commanding judgment. Because we are determining if our brother actually has a speck in his eye. You can't know if your brother has a speck in your eye if you haven't, well, rendered a judgment, right? And so this must not be saying that there can never be a judgment. We must determine what Jesus means, though. In order to make sure that we're keeping things in context, we open up the scriptures. So in Matthew chapter 7, you look at verses 1 through 4. This is a passage of scripture we've all seen before. But I want us to maybe, this is something that I feel is often left out, is when people teach this, I've heard multiple times where it's left out, who are they talking to? Are they talking about worldly people? Are they talking about uh, people that are in the kingdom, brothers and sisters in Christ? Because there's a difference there. Isn't God to judge those who are outside the church? You worry about the people that are inside the church. Because we're supposed to hold each other accountable. Have you ever seen Galatians chapter 6 and verse 2? In Galatians chapter 6 and verse 2, the scriptures tell us that we are to go to our brethren and to help them bear their burdens. It's not talking about, you know, helping them out financially because they're struggling. Or it's not helping them, giving them food uh, because they're struggling. Maybe they don't have food on the table. If you keep that passage in context, it's talking about dealing with a spiritual burden. Dealing with sin in their life. Well, we have to go to them and help bear that burden with the express idea that they repent. That they turn away from it. And Jesus says, if you do that, you fulfill the law of Christ. Why? Did he not show compassion and mercy and love towards us, his creation? We must do the same. But brethren, we look at Matthew 7, 1 through 4 now. Let's keep it in context. Let's see what it says. Do not judge so that you will not be judged. For in the way that you judge, remember, judge means judgment, uh, condemnation. For in the way that you judge, you will be judged Uh, by the standard of your measure, and it will be measured back to you. Why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take that speck out of your eye, and behold, there's a log in your eye. It's it's, It's such a simple passage of scripture. But this explanation shows that Jesus is not talking about right, righteous, godly judgments. It's talking about human judgments. Do you guys ever know anybody who likes to kind of uh, go outside of Scripture, kind of go a little bit rogue when they uh, kind of make some of their condemnations, when they try to judge others? They're using human judgment. They're using unrighteous judgment. They're using unreasonable judgments. And Jesus says, be careful, because you can do that, but I'll measure it back to you as the same as you did to your brother. And so this command should make us want to be fair. This command should help us and want us to be fair with others. Do you want God to judge you fairly and mercifully? If you want that, then you have to judge others fairly and mercifully. And so, brothers and sisters, verse 3 and 4 helps us to understand that the problem that Jesus is dealing with. Jesus pictures a person who can see everybody else's faults, but is unable to see their own. You you catch that in verse 3 and 4? You guys know any Christians who can see the faults in anybody and everybody, but can't really see the faults as they look in the mirror? They can't see the wrong in their own lives, but they can sure pick out the faults in everybody else's life. Remember, this isn't talking about the world. This is talking about the church. 
This is talking about how we as brothers and sisters deal with one another. How easy it is to judge other people but have no desire to judge ourselves with the same standard, with the same measurement. This illustration that Jesus gives us here in these first four verses of chapter 7, it's meant to be humorous. It's meant to be humorous because it's, a, it's hyperbole. Brethren, think about this for a second. Jesus says, you could literally see the splinter. You could see the splinter in the eye of another. You are so closely... Uh, looking at others, examining others, examining their lives to the finest detail that you're able to see even the splinter in their eye, but you can't see the log sticking out of your own eye. You see, this is meant to be humorous in the sense that it's hyperbole. You see the splinter in another person's eye, but you can't see the wood truss protruding from your head. Brothers and sisters, we need to then ask ourselves, how does this happen? We need to consider how this happens. How, it, how is it possible for a person to not see the obvious log protruding from their eye? Well, often it's because we fail to pay attention to ourselves. Isn't it so much easier to really focus on everybody else? Focus on everybody else and all the problems and the glaring uh, shortcomings that they have, but let's not examine ourselves. Let's not look at ourselves with that same type of critical uh, uh, sight, if you will. And so, brethren, many of us are so interested in the problems and the issues of others that we do not see the enormous failures, the glaring shortcomings that are in our own lives. And so what do we do? We end up becoming that self-righteous Pharisee. We become like the self-righteous Pharisees. Why? Because they could never see and understand why Jesus was calling them hypocrites, but they could sure point out the, uh, the sins of others. Brothers and sisters, we condemn others but justify ourselves when we do similar type things. Do you see how we're supposed to not just talk the talk but walk the walk? We're supposed to make sure we're living the life that Christ has given us to live. That's the point of these chapters here. Chapters 5, 6, and 7, Jesus says, If you wish to be a disciple of mine, then you must first and foremost take care of yourself. Then you'll be able to help take care of others. You guys ever go on a flight recently? Or, or ever on a flight? And then they always give you the little instructions, right? You know, you end up in a problem with the jets, right? And all of a sudden it becomes depressurized. The oxygen masks are supposed to come down. What are you supposed to do first? Right? You get yourself situated first so that you can better then help the individuals next to you. Brethren, Jesus is saying, get your life right first. Get your life right first, and then you'll be able to see clearly with compassion and humility to help your brother get his life right. And so, brethren, that's the point of these passages. Often it's because we fail to pay attention to ourselves, and it's just so much easier to look at the problems of others. And so we condemn others for activities or similar activities that we often find ourselves in. But you know what we tend to do? We tend to like to make excuses. Well, so-and-so's this way because of this, but, well, I do this because, well, I have an excuse, right? Don't we like to always have an excuse for ourselves why we may do something similar? But, boy, are we sure to point out those flaws in others. Brethren, we have to understand that many people like to judge others without understanding, and they like to do so without compassion. They like to do so without humility. I want you to remember what James has to say. 
In the book of James, in James chapter 1, in verse 22 through 24. Now remember what the scriptures say here. But prove yourselves to be doers of the word and not merely hearers who delude themselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks at his natural face in the mirror. For once he has looked at himself and gone away, he has immediately forgotten the type of man that was looking back at him. Brothers and sisters, how often have we looked in the mirror and not seen ourselves for who we are? How often in your life, spiritually speaking, have you looked in the mirror and not really seen the person uh, that has been looking back at you and you haven't looked at that person looking back at you with the same judgment that you like to use on others? Brethren, this causes and this comes from an arrogant, self-righteous attitude. How sad it is when we do look in the spiritual mirror, but yet we can't even really recognize the person looking back because of all of our arrogance and our self-righteousness. So brothers and sisters, we judge others, but do not see ourselves in need of judgment. You guys have ever heard me say as I've been preaching and doing Bible studies, don't forget who you were. Don't forget your past. Don't forget the sin that you that used to that you, that used to kind of mire you in the in, in the mud, right? Like the pigs. Don't forget that we used to be like that dog that returns to his vomit. You know Jesus was talking about that. He actually said a Christian who turns away from the word of God is like a dog that goes back to his own vomit. If you've ever had a dog, you may have seen it. It's disgusting, right? But Jesus says, "You're like that dog." And so, brothers and sisters, look at verse 5 now. You hypocrites, first take the log out of your own eye, and then you'll see clearly to take the speck, to kind of get that little splinter out of your brother's eye. First, you need to put your own uh, oxygen mask on, then you'll see clearly to help your brother, help your neighbor, help those next to you. Jesus calls us hypocrites when we engage in this type of behavior. He's not talking to Pharisees here. He's talking to anybody who would call themselves a, a follower of his and engages in this behavior. He says, you're a hypocrite. We, when we judge others in a way that we would not judge ourselves, we're hypocrites. When we hold other people to a different standard that we hold our, than we hold ourselves to, when we're hypocrites. So what is the solution? Well, look at yourself before you look at others. Isn't that why we're supposed to transform our minds and our hearts? And as we transform our minds and our hearts, it's going to show, it's going to show outwardly. So brothers and sisters, begin the process of examining your own life. And when you find that you've fallen short of God's righteous standard, repent. Repent when necessary and clean up your life so that way you'll be able to see clearly and be able to help others with humility and love and compassion because you too are a sinner in need of a Savior. Brothers and sisters, by, by repenting of your own sin, by repenting of your shortcomings, it should cause you to be more, sympath more sympathetic and less condemning. Now we can properly understand these first two verses of John chapter 7, verse 1 and 2. So as you look at those first two verses, do not judge with a hypocritical judgment. Measure yourself by the same judgment that you are going to measure others by, which must always be God's standard. Must always be, always be God's standard. For this will keep us from making those false judgments. There was a man named Paul Earnhardt, and he summed it up well in, in regards to this passage of Scripture. 
He says, our own accurate understanding of kingdom, righteous, kingdom righteousness should not produce in us a harsh or overcritical judgment toward those who are struggling in life because men and women need to be helped to see the nature of true righteousness, but not from an uncaring and hypocritical, self-righteous hypocrite who is more concerned with the sins of others than they are with their own sins. Did you catch that? He says you are not able to help somebody come to what understanding of true righteousness if, they're, if you are presenting yourself as an uncaring, self-righteous hypocrite who are willing to judge others, but you yourself are not willing to hold yourself to the same standard. That's what Jesus is talking about as we look at these passages. So how can we make proper adjustments before I close this down? Well, it's simple. In our passage this morning, Jesus is not saying that we should never judge or make evaluations. The point is simple. It's that we should make proper godly evaluations, proper godly judgments as we deal with others. And we must not be self-righteous judging others inappropriately. So brethren, as I get ready to shut this down, consider if you're using a, judge, a judgmental attitude. How often do you hold others to a standard that you don't hold yourself to? Uh-oh. Kind of sucks when you got to look in the mirror, doesn't it? But Jesus is talking about members of the kingdom. He's talking about brothers and sisters in Christ. Do not be hypocritical in your teaching. Do not be hypocritical in your application of God's word to others. Hold yourself to the same standard that God himself will hold you to. And when you do so, brethren, you'll be able to help your brethren, your brothers and sisters in Christ with love and compassion and mercy and humility. The words of God that we teach and preach to others must first have touched our own hearts. And if the words of God have not first touched your own hearts, you have no business condemning somebody else. That's what Jesus is telling us. So has the word of God touched your heart? Has the word of God touched your heart in such a manner that you are now not overly critical and that you're not as harsh as maybe you once were because you realize that God's standard also applies to you. When, God's, when we use God's word, brethren, God's word has to touch our hearts. And by touching our hearts means our minds. It transforms our lives. And we will uh, learn how to do what? We'll learn how to be humble and not harsh as we make our judgments Remember, we don't judge through appearance, but we judge with righteous judgments. So we judge fairly. We have pure motives. How often have you made a judgment against a brother or sister in Christ, and yet you did so without pure motives? Uh-oh. That's going to step on somebody's toes. Brethren, fair judgments, pure motives, showing forgiveness, staying humble, and being cautious as we make judgments. Because Jesus says, you can judge, but just remember, in the same judgment you use, it will be returned to you. By Christ himself, when you stand before him, as we learned about in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10, we will give an account of our lives, whether good or bad, and he will use the same judgment that we had used. So brothers and sisters, this isn't talking about the world. This is talking about the church. It's talking about the kingdom. It's talking about dealing with one another, how to appropriately deal with one another in a way that is loving and kind as Christ was loving and kind. 
You guys remember the woman that was caught in adulteress, who was caught in adultery, right? And, uh, and Jesus says, let him who is without sin go ahead and cast the first stone. Jesus wasn't saying that she had no sin, but all of a sudden it's just him and her standing there. He says, was there nobody to condemn you? He says, I too will not condemn you, but go and sin no more. Why? Because she had more life to live. She, she could repent. She could turn away from the sin in her life. In her life, It would have been easy for him to just condemn her, but he didn't do so. Why? Because he knew they were trying to trap him, and they were trying because they never brought the man along with the woman, because both of them should have been put to death. And so, brothers and sisters, have the type of humility and compassion that Jesus has. But you can only have that mindset if you're willing to transform your mind and your heart with his word. So, brothers and sisters, if you're here today and you're hearing this message and you're not a child of God, and that is your desire. Maybe you've been wishing to put on Christ in baptism. Maybe you've been studying with somebody and you're at that point where you don't want to be uh, mired in sin anymore. You want to have the blood of Christ cleanse you of any and all unrighteousness that takes place in the baptistry. You have to be baptized for the remission of your sins, just like we learn about in the scriptures. You receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. God himself will pick you up and put you into the kingdom. And you will be his forevermore, so as long as you be obedient. And so long as you are faithful unto God. If that is your desire. Come forward as we stand and sing.